I think if we're honest, we've all probably had a time or times in our life when we felt abandoned. We felt that something or someone left us. I know, I know my kids, Ava, you probably don't even remember this, praise God, but I know there's a time when my kids felt abandoned by their father. I remember we just moved here six years ago to, to be part of this amazing church, and uh, uh, Jake and Ava were both in elementary school at the time, and mom would bring you, and I'd pick you up. And we're only living here like two months at this point, and we're meeting people, teachers and parents, and trying to set a good, you know, make a good first impression, pretend we're normal, things like that. So I'll never forget the day I'm hanging out working at home, and uh, my phone rings, and it's the elementary school. And I was like, oh, okay. So I answer, I'm like, hey. They're like, is this Monty? I'm saying, yeah, yeah, this is. I said, what's going on? And, and the, the gal on the other side said, uh, well, we're, the, your kids are just wondering um, if you're going to pick them up. And I, said, I looked at the clock. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot my kids. So I didn't feel great about that. Uh, I got in my car. I drove so fast there, but I always drive fast, so that wasn't anything different. But I, I drove there. I remember walking up to the doors and seeing my kids through the window looking down on the ground. And, you know, that walk of shame. I walked through the door, and teachers are here. and print, I don't think there was a principal, but teachers are around there. And, and they're talking. I know what they're saying. That's the guy. He forgot his kids. Isn't he a pastor? I'm like, yeah, come to our church. I'll neglect you too, right? I mean, it's like, what am I doing? Forgot, my, forgot all about my kids. It was terrible. Um, abandoned by your father. I'm sorry, Ava. So, oh, that brings up a point, though. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? I have. I, 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 again, I'm just going to say it. I bet at one point in our life, we all have. When we cry out to God, we pray to God, we're begging God, asking for direction, for guidance. God, just give me a sign. Give me a nudge. Anything, God. It's, it's like nothing. It's like if you were texting God, it would be a one-way conversation, and it would look something like this. And it's like, God, I need you. Nothing. God, I'm struggling. Nothing. God, are you even there? Nothing. God, why don't you hear me when I cry out to you? We're in a series called Why God, and that is the exact question that we're asking. And if you look, the, the, the most telling thing about that text is what? He read it. He read it. I know, I, I know you heard me, God, but crickets. I'm hearing nothing from you. If you have felt that way, you need to know you're not alone. People in the Bible felt that way many times. Job, uh, he's got a book in the Bible, and if you... Man, if you're feeling ever sorry for yourself, read the book of Job. I mean, you'll feel better really quick about yourself. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I don't have it that bad. Tell your neighbor, I, I don't have it that bad. You don't. Poor Job. I mean, he went through so much. He felt abandoned. Listen to just two verses out of Job 23. I go east. He's not there. I go west, but I can't find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. It actually sounds like me driving without GPS. But anyway, he cannot find God, and he's looking all over. God has seemingly abandoned Job. David, King David felt this. David, who wrote many of the Psalms, which I'm convinced wouldn't exist if, if there was Prozac. I mean, David... David had such highs and such lows, and you can hear it all over the place. But listen to this. Psalm 44, David's writing. Wake up, O Lord. Why do you sleep? 
Get up. Don't reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Rise up. Help us. Nothing. Probably the biggest story, though, when it comes to feeling abandoned by God, has to be Jesus. It has to be that time when Jesus was praying in a garden. Today is Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. And a few days after that, he would have what we know as the Last Supper. This is that setting. I'm going to preach to you out of the book of Matthew. But let me set it up. Jesus has had the Last Supper with his disciples. They've left the upper room. They're on their way now to this garden, a garden where Jesus often went to pray. They're on their way there. As they're heading there, Jesus makes the comment. He's like, yeah, all of you guys, you'll, you'll, you'll desert me. You'll leave me. And, and Peter's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Lord, whoa, come on. We're in, we just ate together. We just hung. I mean, no. I mean, these other losers might do it, but Jesus, I got you. I got you. And Jesus is like, no, you don't. In fact, all the disciples were like, we got you. We ain't leaving you. Which, which sets up the scene right here. Matthew 26, starting in the 36th verse. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go to pray. He took Peter, James, and John and went a bit further into the woods. And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He goes a little further, bows his face to the ground. Just picture this. Praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Can you picture that scene? Jesus on his hands and his knees, face to the ground. Like, God, if he's, he's getting ready to take on the entire sins of all the world. And he's crying out to God. And he's waiting. And, he, and he's listening. Nothing. Back to the text. Then he returned to the disciples, found them asleep. He said to Peter, you couldn't watch with me for even an hour? Don't you love it? The same Peter who just said, I'm with you till the end. Lord, I'm, they might leave. I won't. Lord, I will not rest. <sighs> okay, Peter. Peter's just, and Lord, the Lord is like, keep watch and pray so that you won't give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 42. Then Jesus left them a second time, and he prays again to God. My father... If this, cup of suffering, or if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. But in other words, if there's any other way, like God, I just want to share. I just want to be sure that, that I'm hearing you correctly, so give me a sign if there's another way, anything. He waits. He listens. Nothing. Jesus goes back. When he returned to the disciples again, he found them sleeping again, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So Jesus goes a third time, saying the same things again. That means that he asked God again, 
if there's another way other than the way that he has before him. Jesus waits and he listens and crickets, nothing. Luke, the, the word of God is the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus's life, but they all kind of add different things from, because there's different people like writing them so they note different things they see. When Luke records this, listen to what Luke says. I don't think this is on the screen, but I'll tell you. He says, Jesus in the garden was in such agony that sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. I mean, you can literally see the dread dripping from Jesus' face. And he's waiting, and he's listening, and he gets nothing. God, why don't you hear me when I cry out to you? Why aren't you there? I remember, this was 17 plus years ago now, praise God it's been that long, but I remember asking that exact question. In a drug addiction, um, I'm writing a book right now, I'm trying to set a record for how long it can take to write a book, and, uh, but I'll give you the first three words. The first three words are, I was screwed. And I'm quoting what I thought that day when I was in a closet, kneeling, a dark closet, holding drugs in my hand, begging God, God, I don't want it anymore. I don't want to do, why? I'm doing what I can't stand. It's killing me. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm, uh, it's, I'm done. If he doesn't show up, I'm done. And that day, he, according to what I was seeing, he didn't show up. I heard nothing. And so, you know, I did what I always did. But I remember just being so desperate. God, you even hear me. Here, here's what I know today that I didn't know then. And this is for you. Just because you don't hear God doesn't mean that God doesn't hear you. Right? Just because you don't, just because you don't hear God doesn't mean he doesn't hear you. But I get it's frustrating. when you that, that can even make it more frustrating, though. Because, okay, now you're saying he hears me. But he's still not doing anything. He, he read, he read the text. I can see he read the text, but he's not, he's not, I don't see anything changing. And we've all been there begging for a miracle, begging for change like I did that day. But I know this now that I didn't know then. There, there are times in life when God may not change your situation because he's trying to change you. He's trying to change your heart. That's what he was doing with me. Here's the deal. If he would have helped me that day the way I wanted him to, I wasn't broken enough. It would have gave me a little reprieve. It would have prolonged the agony in the end. That's what would have happened. I, did, I didn't see it then, but I see it now. I wasn't broken enough. I wasn't ready, and the Lord knew it. He knew I needed to be a little more broken, a little more humble, a little more desperate, and that's where he got me. But, but God, love, God loves me, and he loves you. I wrote this down. I said, he will not say yes to a prayer Oh, this is, this is so, he will not say yes to a prayer that goes against what's best for you. See, I wanted him to say yes. Yes, I'm there. Yes, I'll take it away. But that wasn't what's best for me in the moment. Uh, isn't that not, so, but know this, when you cry out, when I cry out, God does hear you and he always responds. He always does. And his response will always be out of love. Every time. If you were here last week, you remember the main point was this. God loves me. God wants what's best for me and those around me. God loves me. He wants what, what's best for me and those around me. And, and sometimes that means he doesn't respond the way that we, we want him to. We want the yes. We want the go ahead. 
And God gives us the exact opposite answer. And I get it. When you're, when you're struggling, I mean, when you're in the midst, the throes of addiction, in that pain, in that suffering, in that grief, it's hard to see the bigger picture. But I'm telling you, God is always good. And he'll always respond from a place of love. Every time, all time. He will. God does. Believe it. And I'll show you that with what, with what God did next in Jesus' story in the garden. Matthew doesn't notate it, but Luke did. You know when Jesus cried out three times, it's like nothing, crickets? Well, here's what happened next. Luke twenty two forty three. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. That's easy to miss. Luke's the only one who records that. God sends an angel. That was his answer. That was his help. That was the affirmation that Jesus, you, you are the only way. There is no other, there is no plan B. But here's, I love you. I want what's best for you. And I'm going to send an angel to take care of you. When I read that for the first time, I cried. The reason why is because that day in the closet that I told you about, about a year later, I was in my car. Same situation, crying out, but I was more broken. And I was more desperate. And I, and I prayed the most, I prayed the biggest prayer I've ever prayed. Two words, help me. It's all I could muster. And God, check this out, I, I believe this with all my heart, sent an angel. He did. Because a few days later, I was stepping into a rehab center, and that was never my plan. It literally was like an angel was carrying me across the threshold. I couldn't believe it. I know God sent an angel that day for me. See, you need to know that when no one else is listening, God is. God is listening, and he responds to every call for help. Everyone. See, your feelings, oh, this is, this is big too. Your feelings, they'll tell you that God isn't there. Your feelings will tell you God don't care. But we don't live by feelings, do we? At least we shouldn't. We live by what? You knew it, faith. We don't live by feelings, we live by faith. That changes everything when it comes to you struggling with, does God hear me? I promise you. So David, I talked about him earlier, our, our bipolar friend who has such extreme ups and extreme downs. There is, I'm gonna read to you Psalm 13. It's only six verses. But I want you to listen to David crying out, wondering if God's there, wondering does he hear. But see if you can catch the transition here. Psalm 13. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long are you going to look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? With sorrow in my heart? Every day, God, how I long, how I long my enemy or excuse me, how long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn, answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. You hear, you see the desperation. Don't let my enemies gloat, God, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. You, did you catch the transition? Did you notice where it goes from everything is so bad to all of a sudden, I'll give you the line again. It was, it was, but I trust. But 
I trust. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a big butt. It is. It's a huge butt. <laughs> Careful. Uh, that's a, but I trust in your unfailing love. David's circumstances didn't change. His situation didn't change. But his perspective did. And when, you, when that changes, it'll change you. It was no longer feelings with David. It was faith in his God. You, and what's faith? You, Hebrews describes faith as an evidence of things we cannot see. Like, you, you, evidence of things we cannot see. But let's be honest, we want to see God move. Like when we pray, when we cry, cry out, we want to see God move right then and right there. But I'm telling you, just because you don't see God moving doesn't mean he's not moving. He's always moving. He's always responding. He's always loving. you got to believe that. you got to trust that. God's always moving. Every time. Every time. Get thirsty preaching to you. So God is always moving. Now, I reflect back on my life, just like maybe you're reflecting back on your life. And now I see the times when he didn't answer, and I can see that he did. The times that God didn't respond, and I look back, and I'm like, oh, he did respond. This is a whole nother God why sermon, so I won't get too deep into this. But you could ask, well, why did God allow the addiction in the first place, right? I mean, it was horrible, gut-wrenching. Anybody that's dealt with it or knows somebody that has, it's terrible. Why would God allow that? And I think, first of all, we got to be careful. <laughs> if we're honest, we're quick to blame God for a lot of things, right? Every, every, does everything happen for a reason? Yes. But sometimes the reason is, I'm stupid, okay? Let's just be honest. I, I made some poor, poor choices, and eventually it took hold. That's what happened to me. But, but, but here's what's crazy. God allowing that addiction in my life, I know, was, was the way that God was going to bring me to him. I don't know if there would have been any other way. Before the addiction, I was convinced I knew God. I've always believed in Jesus. You're going to tell me that I'm lost or uh, that I'm not part of God's family? The reality is I wasn't. I was lost and I wasn't part of his family. And, and, and God had to get me to a place. And he'll allow things to happen in your life. It's one of the greatest gifts. It's weird saying that today, I think, because I'm on the other side of it. But here's what God's teaching me, and I hope this, I hope this ministers to you like it did me. When it comes to addiction, God hates it. It destroys families, people, legacies, purpose. God hates addiction. But sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Let me ask a question. In the garden that day, as the father looked on the, at the son, do you think he enjoyed that? I don't. I think when he saw his son hurting in anguish, crying out, sweat dripping off of his brow, I think God hated it. He hated seeing him in that situation. But sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And he loves you. I mean, you and I are the reason Jesus was ever in that predicament. And, and what does God do? He answers. He sends an angel. The angel strengthens, strengthens Jesus. 
gives him, gives him the go to keep going down this path, a path that nobody would want, to grab his cross literally and continue the journey. Oh my gosh, that was a hard day. That was a hard day. But you know, isn't it the hard days? This is so true. Isn't it true that the hard days in our life are the days that we're going to look back on? You know, the days that you're, you're fighting for your marriage, that you're struggling in the addiction, battling the depression, facing the pressure. Those days, some of you are in those hard days right now, and you're going through it, and you're in the fire, and you're asking God all the questions. And I want to encourage you, do not give up. Do not give in. Your God is with you. Your God is for you. Your God will strengthen you. Why? Because he's not done with you. He's not done with you. He strengthened Jesus so Jesus could not give up. Jesus would not give up. He had the strength. The angel helped him. He would bear the cup that we can't bear, carry the cross that we can't carry, all the way up a hill where he would arrive that next day. There's people, not just in this room, not just watching online, but that you know in our community. They're experiencing that hard day. There's people, you know who they are, barely treading water, barely getting by. They have no hope. There's no hope on the horizon. They don't have help coming for them, they don't think. They're crying out to God, and they're not hearing anything, and they assume he doesn't, he's not there and he doesn't care. This is what Easter is all about. This is what the invites are all about. See, this is where you come in and I come in, the church. But pastor, my, I'm still a mess. I know, me too. But isn't it crazy how God uses messy people to accomplish his purpose? Because that's exactly what he does. It's the only reason I'm up here. I prayed over this message this week and prayed over you like I do every week. I said, God, help me convey the importance of what's happening this coming week. The thing, the thing about Meadows is, while celebrating the resurrection of Jesus or Easter is always going to be a highlight, it's, it's something we celebrate every week at Meadows. So you never have to just wait till Easter to invite somebody to hear the good news of Jesus. But, like I shared earlier, this is the number one time when people who normally don't go to church or, or aren't interested in faith or God or whatever, it's the, it's, the, it's the most open time in their life. We'll get these moments in life, these, these, these you know, once a year type moments. And the enemy wants us to shrink back and, you know, maybe go to the event, but, but man, I don't know, I'm not going to invite and whatever. I pray, I'm praying for our courage that we will. And, and not only that, but I'm praying that as we do, that you'll be who you are, Meadows Church. That when we go to an event, like on, on Saturday, the, the egg hunt or Sunday, the services, that it won't just be about us, but you'll, you'll meet new people. You'll introduce yourself. You'll ask them how they came. Things like, what, that's what Meadows does. But this is where you come in and I come in. We get to stand in the gap. And we get to share what you hear every week. So here's what they'll experience when you invite them and they come next week. They're going to experience a church that loves them. 
They're going to experience and hear about the hope of Jesus Christ. They're going to experience and hear about the grace of God, even for the worst. You know, people like me and people like you. That's what they're going to hear. See, I don't want church to be an event. I, want to, I, I don't want it to be just, oh, it's Sunday or what. I want it to be who we are. On the inside, this is who we are. This is what we do. I'm, I'm jacked up, but you know what? Come and we'll be jacked up together at the church. Let's go. Keep, the people that need the invitation from you and me, they're a wreck. It's amazing how we fake it. In the church, outside the church, like somehow we're, we got it all together. People are like dying on the inside. They, and they know it. They know they're a mess. They know that they're, they know the world is a mess. Watch the news for three minutes. You'll know the world is a mess. They know they're a mess. They know their family's a mess. They know, they know all that. But what we want to show them and tell them is that God wants to take that mess and you know the saying, turn it into a miracle. Because that's what our God does. Hence the good news of Jesus. So Jesus leaves the garden, gets betrayed, arrested, beat to almost death. But because he had to die on a cross, the death was prolonged until he got on the cross. See, see one of the things that separates the Christian faith or sets apart the Christian faith is a bloody cross. Jesus, I like to say it this way, Jesus' worst day was your best day. It was. That's how you know God hears from you because you have a direct link to God through the Son, through his death. We deserve death. My addiction, I hurt people, and even outside my addiction, I can hurt people, I sin, Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do. And you do too, and you know it. But, but Jesus stands in the gap, or hangs on a cross, I should say, for you and for me. Never let this, never let this beautiful, beautiful word become just something we say at the end of the service. If this is all we said, it would be enough. So many people don't know it. You know how many people are out there trying to earn God's love? You know how many people out there think they need to do good things to get to heaven? The mass majority. You get to hear every week here that, that, that good, being good, that has nothing to do with earning the grace of God because you can't earn it. Jesus did it on a cross. You get to hear it every week so we can become numb to it, people in the world. And then they give up because they're like, I'm not good. I keep sinning. I keep looking at that. I keep saying that. I keep doing that. And it's just a, a no-win situation. And we get to stand in the gap. And we get to tell them, yeah, you're, I'm jacked up too, just like you. But there's this man named Jesus. You should hear about him. He was in a garden praying like blood. I mean, it's not. And then he went to a cross. And I heard that a bloody cross is what sets apart the Christian faith. That Jesus would die on that. And he did take all the sins of all the world onto him that day. So much so that the Father had to turn away because God can have nothing to do with sin. That's why us getting to heaven, there is zero chance to live your purpose on earth. Zero chance without Jesus. Zero. Zero. Jesus is it. 
So he dies, and some of you know the story, he dies on a cross. That bloody cross that separates the Christian faith. People need to hear that. That there's a man, a God, who loves them so much. In a world that's so full of division and hate, there's a God of unity and love. And if you were the only one on planet Earth, Jesus Christ would crawl up on the cross and die again. They need to hear it. They need to experience it. They, they need to be exposed to this, this, this saving grace by your faith. That's what does it. You have faith to believe. The story I'm hearing is real. This Jesus, he's God's son. He was in the garden. He, he did carry the cross up the hill. It, it, it was bloody. He was on it. Ble I believe it. But the thing here, we got to add something though. But the bloody cross, I keep talking about it. It's not the only thing that separates the Christian faith. Right? You better throw in an empty tomb. Because three days later, our King, our God, our Savior, our Messiah, our second chance, our only hope, in fact, rose from the dead, defeating the enemy, defeating sin, and giving us purpose in this life and the next life. Can you get louder? I don't hear you. I don't hear you. We'll never wait till an Easter Sunday to celebrate the tomb being empty, ever. Will we celebrate it next weekend? Like, like never before, but we celebrate it every weekend. It's the only reason we have hope. It's the only reason. So, where do we go from here? My prayer for you, first of all, is that you would sell out to Jesus. Not just believe in him. You have to believe in him. That's part of it. But I believed in him all my life, and I'm telling you, I wasn't following him, and he didn't know me at all. It wasn't until I surrendered everything that, 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 that the Holy Spirit would enter into me, saving me. And so many people are deceived by the enemy, thinking, I believe in Jesus, I'm good to go. Well, I would just say, go back and watch a series called The Unsaved Christian. It'll change your life. But it's more than just belief. That's the beginning but it's the faith to believe and the surrender that says, I don't want my life anymore. I believed in Jesus, but I still wanted drugs. <laughs> That's a miserable life to live. And I don't know what your vice is, what you're bent towards when it comes to sin, but today my prayer for you is that you will sell out to the King of King and Lord of Lords. Don't wait till Easter weekend. God has you here today. God has you watching online today or listening to this maybe a year and a half from now. Today, sell out. Don't just make it a decision. People think, oh, that's the end. I gave my life to Christ. No, 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 that's just the beginning. Now we get to live for him. Now we surrender daily to his. His will, not mine. His will, not yours. God is so good. I love Pastor Meadows Church. I love it, I love it, I love it. Hardest thing I've ever done, but I can't imagine doing anything else. I love the way you invite. I love that every weekend we have for every weekend we have first-time guests. I love that about our church. I, I love it that we're not inward focused just on the holy huddle, but we know that the church begins when we leave here. I love that. I just hope you know how much you're loved. 
And I hope you know the grace of God covers anything that you did last night, last week, last year, when you give it to him. And then once you give it to him, now he wants you to go out and give it to others, right? This, this little piece of cardboard can change a family, a life, a legacy forever. Our job is to just present it, just extend it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and your truth. <laughs> the question, remember God, why don't you hear us when we cry out to, to you? Well, we found out that you do. We also found out that you always respond, and it's always out of love. And sometimes you'll say no to what we, we want you to say yes to because you want what's best for us. God, give us courage this week. First of all, let's start with today to surrender to this truth. There are people hurting, and they feel lost and lonely in the room and online. And they feel like they're in a garden, but you're not there. The truth is you are. Like David, we're not going to live in those feelings. Those will come and those will go, but we stand on faith. And faith says you are real, and you are there. You respond to every request, and you love us. Father, for people in the room or online that need to sell out, maybe they believe for a long time, but they know they're not living for Jesus. They know that if you compare their life to anybody else, even an atheist, you could put them side by side during the week and they, it would just be, you wouldn't know who the Christian is. God, I get that. That's how I lived all my life, basically. Reveal that to the person today. And I pray that your grace, your holy, undeserved grace hits them and floods their heart right now as I pray and that they sell out and surrender. That after we worship in song, they would even come up and pray with a prayer team member and, and, and tell us what God is doing so we can pray specifically for them. And then once we're all done here today, God, we'll leave and, and, and then church really begins. You'll send out your warriors, your flock, your family to go be light in a dark place and the world is dark, and it's going to get darker. So if we keep putting our hope in, oh, the, one day they'll pass a law, one day uh, th th that person will be president, one day it will get worse. Not because the world said it, your word says it. You know what that means? Your hope is only going to get better and better. May we spread the hope of Christ this week, God. Blow the doors off Easter Sunday in a way that only you can. But before that, God, do it right here, right now, in us. May we rest in this moment. Your grace, your love. You hear us, you answer, you respond, and it's always from a place of love. Thank you for Jesus, Father. Thank you for the plight. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for him dying and rising for us. Because of that, we have hope. And when you don't have it, it's a I can't imagine living that way, though I have. But now that we are offered it, God, may we accept it wholeheartedly and never turn back. In Jesus' name I pray and the church says, amen.
Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.